0: outside Where is that wow. X Radio, Shane Corson here, and along with me is my good friend, co-host of Monster X Radio, contributor, and Bigfoot researcher, Julie Wrench. Julie, how are you doing this fine evening?
1: Hey, Shane, I'm doing great. It'll be a great show.
0: Interesting topic we got for you guys. And before we get into that, I want to discuss with you some of the goings on with Monster X Radio. Of course, Monster X Radio has just launched Monster Exclusive, where we're doing. A lot of different things, a lot of cool things going on. We have our private Facebook group for uh, exclusive members. We have a ton of great content on the website at MonsterXRadio.com with fantastic blogs being thrown up, a lot of cool information. We have a bunch of new shows that are available now and in the works. So sign up for uh, Radio. Sign up and join the exclusive club. You won't regret it. It's fantastic. We're doing a lot of big things. We got Thomas Seawood doing his Sasquatch Island. We got field reports, biometrics, and counter shows. And so there's a lot going on. We're working hard to bring you great content on multiple fronts. We're very, very busy. And we really, really think you guys will enjoy it. So look into signing up for a Monster exclusive on the website at monsterxradio.com. Look forward to many tidbits being shared on social media to try and entice you to jump aboard. Like I said, it's an exciting endeavor taken on by us, and we hope you enjoy it as much as we enjoy bringing you great content. You know, this is a a field researcher's dream show, enthusiasts. If you like great content, you kind of like Bigfoot without the BS, you know, where we get down to the nitty gritty and share exclusive stuff with you of our field work, of some of the more compelling Things out there that goes on with Bigfoot research in general—it's the show for you. You won't get any of the BS you see in a lot of other places. This is not a YouTube sensation. We jump on YouTube and you get this incredible story with no real precedence to it. There's nothing like that can be found on Monster X Radio. What you're going to get is hardcore facts and opinions and experience with a lot of cool stuff thrown in there. I mean, I'm really enjoyed doing it. I'm really enjoying doing this with Julie Ranch and Thomas Seawood and Gunner Monson. So please look into it. I think you'll enjoy it. Having said that, tonight we're going to be discussing wood knocks, rock clanking, and a lot of the noises that are associated with Sasquatch research and in, in the field of Bigfoot. There's a ton a ton of audio out there that people throw around as, as Sasquatch behavior when in fact you know you can't really even claim that unless you've seen a Sasquatch actually do what's being reported via this audio, whether it's tree banging, tree knocks, rock clanking, that nature. And I know that, though personally I've recorded an absolute ton of this stuff, a lot of it can be explained if you do your homework and actually don't jump to conclusions. But having said that, there is stuff that I've recorded personally. I know that Julie's recorded some, Gunnar Monson's recorded some, Thomas Seawood recorded some interesting audio that cannot be readily thrown out or, or explained. That is very suspicious uh, when it comes to some of these percussive sounds that you hear, I know for a fact that during my two thousand and eleven encounter in the uh, mountain or in Mount Hood, I had an extraordinary experience where I had two nights of something approaching my camp. The second night, I did in fact get a glimpse of what was causing all the ruckus. The cool thing was there was a lot of stuff associated with that particular sighting, and that was rock clanking, knocks and also a rock coming into camp, which was a pretty, pretty extraordinary, and so I got a little bit, I do associate certain things with Sasquatch because of my experience, now just my experience, along with two buddies, so there are certain sounds that I do associate with Sasquatch, now I didn't see a Sasquatch throw the rock, I didn't see a Sasquatch bang a tree, or break branches, or rock cl- clanking, but all that occurred right before my sighting, over two nights, and so these things I do associate, but having also said that, I do believe uh, not every bang and every break and every snap and every rock clank sound in the woods is a Sasquatch. Far from it. I, I think it's it's kind of a rare thing. But then again, also a lot of times I think some of these really cool sounds get passed off as as nothing. Oh, that's a gunshot or that's this or that's that. When in fact, we could be our, our target subject here. It could be a Sasquatch. What are your uh, what are your initial thoughts, Julie? on these sounds that are associated with with Sasquatch when it comes to knocks and clanking and banging and drumming?
1: I think that a lot of times when you, you know, like you said, when you have events going on all at the same time, you know, if you hear something that sounds bipedal walking through the woods, then you hear some whoops or some strange howls, some screams, and then you hear some knocking... It it pays more credit to the actual knocking sound, you know, but what we have to discuss in the first place is why would they do tree knocks? Why would they clack rocks together? You know, we don't know about the species, what it does, what it doesn't do, but you would think that they would have some type of communication. I don't think they have a verbal communication, you know, a language such as what we do, and if you're out in the woods and you're at a distance from each other, you, know, you really can't see through a, a lot of the thicket and the, the dense brush out there. See, so it, it would make sense for something to take whatever it has available to make a sound to get the other one's attention or to use it as kind of like a warning to you that, hey, we're here. Maybe you've stepped into their neighborhood. <laughs> They're not maybe too happy about it. You can't rule out that they may do something like that because they have to communicate.
0: Absolutely. they got to communicate somehow. It's not just a recent thing where uh, this stuff's been reported for a long, long time. But, you know, great question when you bring up why would they do this stuff. Why would they uh, do rock clanking or do tree knocks. It's um, evidence that they may, you know, in that assuming a Sasquatch is some sort of primate, other primates do that. Other primates will bang dumps and trees and roots with rocks, also throw sticks and stuff of that nature, maybe for different reasons in a lot of ways, but they still, there's a precedent there. They're, they are capable of doing that. Plenty of YouTube videos and documentaries out there that show, you know, chimps picking up rocks and beating roots with it or trees or throwing rocks. Tons, tons of shows like that to show you that, in fact, chimps and orangutans and gorillas do actually uh, have that sort of behavior. There is, there's some logic there. And with a lot of the sightings over the years and reports that have all that stuff kind of going on, you know, where you, you, maybe you saw a Sasquatch, you you heard a scream and then the banging started and all that. There's not a whole lot of animals out there that are capable of doing all of that. And, you know, right, then you right. get the so there, there, there is precedence for, like I said, my encounter, I, I got, Kind of a smorgasbord of stuff that happened, that rocked my world, but at the same time made me think: why were, why was this thing banging a tree? You know that I could feel in my tent; it was so powerful. Why was a rock clanking? You know, and then you get a rock that comes flying in. I don't know. I don't have those answers. I just associate that with my encounter. Uh, Everything occurred, and it was from that Sasquatch or Sasquatches, because I think there was more than one at the time. But, but having said all this, a lot of people or ready to jump aboard when they hear something in the woods. You know, I, I go out all the time. I go out with different groups of people, some experienced woodsmen, some experienced hunters and, and researchers, and then I go out with people that are not so experienced, and they already have this kind of jaded, or not jaded, but they already have this this mindset that, oh, Sasquatch does this and Sasquatch does that. And so when they hear something like a, there, I was watching a YouTube video just the other day. Yeah, I won't mention any names, but this particular individual – You know, he was filming himself and walking through this particular area in Washington, and uh, he's, oh, there's a knock. And I heard it, and I'm like, well, that's a a woodpecker. I could tell right away that was a woodpecker. It wasn't a knock. And there's tons of that on this particular show where just known animals. And known animals create all sorts of noises. You know, I remember being in Kentucky last year in Kentucky. My first time in Kentucky, I was kind of in a remote little area. I heard what I thought was... Something clanking, something or something knocking, not real loud. And I was like, "Whoa, that's kind of cool, no freaking way!" And then I, you know, I started walking around and trying to figure out where this noise was coming from, and, and it was basically a squirrel in a tree dropping acorns down and was hitting a hollow stump, and it, it was making a heck of a noise. But it sounded like a knock, but it wasn't. No animals make a heck of a lot of noises. I know mm-hmm. out where you're at, Julie. You got all sorts of animals, and you do a lot of recording. Do you ever hear some weird knocks that are, you know, maybe not so weird that are explainable, or rock clanking noises?
1: Well, I, I can tell you. See, was the last fall? I was sitting out there, and I kept hearing this bang, bang, on the top of our um, one of our barns has a tin roof, and I was like, what the heck is that? And it sounded like something was throwing, like pretty nice sized rocks, hitting the the top of the barn. And, of course, it's dark. Well, the next day I got out and investigate, and the a- there's an acorn tree right against there that had started losing its acorns. And, you know, I hadn't been outside at night for a couple nights, so I didn't hear it until that night. And I was like, oh, okay, well, that explains it. We're hitting a thin roof. And had I not gone over there to investigate, you know, I could have said, wow, something was throwing rocks with a thin roof. You know, because where I'm at, there's, not a lot of forest, and there's some really strange things been going on around here. But that's one thing you just have to do is if you can go back to an area that you heard something, if that's possible, that's always a good way to vet.
0: And vetting's important uh, if you're serious about the research. You know, as serious as we are, I'm not going to share something with a group of individuals or, you know, monster extras if I don't think there's something more to it. And unfortunately nowadays, you could throw any noise out there, that uh, you can explain and call it a Sasquatch or a Bigfoot, when in fact it's that's that's not very accurate or you know, maybe pleasing to some, but I don't I don't appreciate it. I like to to be vetted. One of the ways to vet stuff is we utilize something I've been learning over the last couple of years that, that uh, Larry Turner and David Els and David Els specifically has really mastered is not just listening to a sound. As we've talked about on the show, listening to the sound, your ears can do you wrong. You may, I may hear one sound a certain way, and Julie, you may hear it another way. And so our ears can play tricks on us. And the way that it sounds to us, we uh, will associate with something. Whereas if you're looking at, you know, via sonic visualizer, if you actually throw the audio up on your laptop or computer, and if you have the uh, app and whatnot, you can actually look at the audio visually and read its signatures and its ranges and its peaks and its hertz, and you can actually roll in a lot of stuff and rule out a lot of stuff. And we're going to play some audio here a little bit, some of the stuff that we have found to be suspicious, you know, where it's left us questioning. Sometimes this has been, all this audio has been recorded in areas where we've had full Sasquatch activity, where there's been sightings and other documented stuff, and that's why I'm going to play some of this audio for you in a little while. Hopefully it comes across okay, you know, it doesn't always uh, come across that well over the radio airwaves, but having said that, you know, a lot of this audio is, it's very interesting, sometimes very compelling, given the circumstances, if you know what was transpiring, Uh, we don't have time to get into all that tonight. I do a lot of camping out in the woods year-round, in the snow, in the sun, in the rain, and your ears can play tricks on you. But there are times when you hear things that leave you questioning. But I will tell you that I've had raccoons make some odd noises, banging stuff. You know, you got possums. you got deer that will stomp their foot like elk. And it can make a heck of a sound on a hollow ground. In the Pacific Northwest, up here, we have a lot of areas where there's a lot of pine forest. And you have these roots that grow, and it makes the ground very hollow. You can stomp your feet and it'll make a heck of a noise. Well, if a deer and elk's doing that or a bear's coming by and stomps, it'll sound weird to you if you've never heard it before and it will leave you a question. Ooh, well, that's freaky. One of the things I'll tell you though that I've always find very compelling when I can rule out gunshots and a lot of other things is pre-knocks, specifically the ones that sound almost metallic, like a baseball bat. I'm not saying that, and I'm, I'm talking about areas where there's no one else around, you you know, 99.99% sure. And even if there was, there'd be no reason for them to be in this area banging a tree. I've heard this in person uh, multiple times, and I've experienced it, where you get these really powerful knocks. sometimes even not so powerful, but you hear them, and it's something hitting a tree for sure. And it's very interesting, and you're like, oh, man, here we go. And I've had experiences where that stuff's happened before. And, of course, we've had other activity, like stuff being thrown into our camp. And so that's very interesting to me, and I, it's something I live for when I hear those knocks that really pique my interest, that I, I know that there's a possibility that it's more than just something known. A lot of things can fool you. Gunshots are one in particular, even from a distance, and that's why you've got to really know the areas that you're in, because if you don't know all the valleys and how sound travels – someone could be shooting miles and miles away and you're thinking Whoa, that was a knock or something but i will also tell you one of the things i think that's very telling about knocks in general is they're very very rarely repetitive if if i get more than if i get like more than one two or three over a given amount of time i'm i'm very suspicious the only time i've ever had more than one knock or two or three knocks that i Remember was during my encounter, right? We got a solid five knocks right above our camp and it was very powerful. That's the only time I've ever experienced anything like that. I've had other areas where we've had one to two knocks, sometimes a knock from one side of the valley, and then a return knock or supposed return knock on the other side of the valley. But anytime I hear multiple knocks, I really start to question what's going on because you know, like I said gunshots in general. I live up in Pacific Northwest, there's gunshots galore. I try to separate myself and get away from that, but you can't always do that. And a lot of times, you hear pop, 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 pop. You know, and from a distance, it'll sound like knock, 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 knock. And what? those I find, those I find very telling. Uh, but I've been in areas in the Olympics where you're pretty dang remote, and you get a solid strike, and you're quiet. And this is uh, this is unsolicited. You know, I'm not a big fan of knocking a tree and get, trying to get a response. I'll do it on occasion. It's just not really my thing. I didn't during my encounter in 2011. I wasn't knocking a tree. I wasn't banging rocks together. I, I was sleeping in my tent when all that transpired. And so I, I take that and I think about it and go, well, I don't think you need to elicit or try to draw them in if they're if sasquatches around and you're curious. They'll probably come check you out. And that's why audio is important and thermal equipment if you're trying to get evidence. But Julie, I know that you had David Ellis looked at some audio. We don't have we didn't upload it and we'll play that for a future show. But I know that you had some audio recorded near your property now that had some knocks in there. And you mind talking about that a little bit? Because it's actually pretty fascinating how that all came to be and how, and how you actually came across those knocks.
1: Yeah, it, that was a few weeks ago. And, um, you know, I'd been hearing some very odd sounds out here. We just moved here about a year ago. And I'd been hearing some strange vocals and some odd noises, you know, over the course of the year. Never really. I recorded with my telephone sometimes when I, the coyotes would be cutting up, and if they sounded really close, I'd record that with my phone. But I never really thought that anything would be that close to my house. I guess I didn't want to think that it might be that close to my house, even though there's the urari Forest is basically my backyard. So a couple weeks ago, the dogs and the coyotes were just absolutely going mad. And I'd recorded it, and in the middle of the recording, I heard something that sounded, I don't know, like primate, baboon, gibberish-type sounds, and I heard a roar. I mean, I heard that with my ear, and I'm like, okay, that's not normal. So I sent that off to David Ellis from the Olympic Project. Bless his heart, he's taken time to, you know, go over everything that I've ever sent him. And he found where I was talking about the the roar-type noise and the gibberish, if you will, he was able to get those into a small clip and then did a spectro spectrograph on them. Well, one of them that had the gibberish on it, the very beginning, which I didn't hear with my naked ear, but you could see it on the spectrograph, It was, and then after you see that and then you play it, you can hear it in the distance. It sounds like two, I don't know, like something whacking a tree or rock clacking or something, but it's like bam, bam, and then the howl and then the gibberish sound, and, you know, at the time I didn't hear that part because the coyotes were going off and the, the dogs, but there are things that happen that you may not even hear when you're hearing other things, so it's always important to get it analyzed and get it on spectrogram, because if I hadn't sent that, I would have never, you know, realized that they were there, perhaps, so that was kind of interesting to me, because I, I'd heard a few knocks before. And it always came from the same direction, which there's a very, very big pond to our um, northwest, and that is where all the sounds always rev up, if you will. That's where it's always coming from. You can kind of hear it go from our south, you know, the dogs start cutting up the coyotes, and then, and then the next group, and then the next, all the way around until you get up to where this pond is. Then that's when all hell breaks loose. But to me, I'm thinking, well, what what could be back there? banging on something, and, and what could they possibly use? Well, you know, spend a lot out in the woods, you know that most of the limbs or, or logs or branches that are laying out there on the, the floor of the woods, the, they're they're soft, they're not going to be like a brand new branch broke off of a tree that would make the sound similar to a baseball bat. You know, if you picked up something off the ground and you hit a tree with it, it would just... Shatter into a million pieces and make a thud. So I'm thinking that they they probably would have to yank a nice sized branch out of a tree or use a rock to to make these sounds. And unfortunately, that pond is not on my property, so I can't go over there and you know investigate for tracks or anything. But I'm working on trying to figure out who owns the property and to see you know maybe they'll let me. But I would I would think that if you hear something in a particular area and you're pretty sure you know where that area was and it's at nighttime. if you can get over to that area the next day and kind of look around on the ground for any fresh broken huge branches that they may have used you know i don't know they'd carry them off with them or just do their thing and drop them there maybe some very large rocks you know it's always something that you can investigate something's making that sound and whatever they made it with they either took it with them
0: or dropped it yeah you brought some great points there julie Thank goodness we have individuals like David Ellis of the Olympic Project to vet and look at the audio so that we can have a second opinion, somebody that has expertise of using equipment and whatnot and looking at it and visually inspecting it and showing us where we're at. You know, a lot of times, Dave, I'll send David stuff that I think's kind of interesting, and he'll come back and say, well, I think it's this, and, you know, and I'm something known, and I'm, well, oh, great. But there's other times I send David stuff that I've really vetted myself, and he'll come back and go, well, you know, you got something here, this is interesting. But the, the point that I thought you brought up about the rocks, so once again, in here in the Pacific Northwest, we live, you know, where I live, it's, it's a, like a rainforest. Everything's soggy, wet, damp. To find a really good salted limb is pretty difficult I truly believe that a lot of these rock or sorry, excuse me, a lot of these knocks are rocks on trees. I really believe rocks on trees, rocks on stumps. And I could refer back to my 2011 counter where there was the most powerful knocks you can imagine. You could film in your tent, the vibration, and then after the knocks were done, a rock came into our camp, a softball-sized rock. And so Mm -hmm. I always refer back to that thinking, you know, there almost had to be – because the limb's up there. I remember we were trying to start a fire, and we did get a fire going, but trying to find dry wood was a joke. It took forever. Everything was wet and soggy. You're not going to find – It's impossible unless
1: you have the strength to pull a huge branch off a tree to snap it right off, which I don't know many people that could do that. These creatures, you have to understand, if if these creatures exist and they weigh 800 pounds – Or more, in some cases, the power that they could have behind um, the force of a rock on top of another rock or onto a tree would be way beyond what we can produce. So it wouldn't be surprising that it would be a very high frequency of vibration even that you could almost feel.
0: Yeah, Yeah, and the one thing about a rock is you can probably get a branch or a large limb and hit a tree so many times before it breaks – but a rock, you've got a better chance of smacking stuff without the rock breaking up. You've got that rock. And the, the thing a rock does for me over, say, a limb is if I'm a Sasquatch and say I'm a predator, an apex predator in an area, there, a rock can do a lot more than a limb. I can throw a rock at somebody to scare them away. I can throw a rock at a deer and try and kill it. I can bang a tree to maybe communicate if that's what they're doing. A rock, is, to me, makes a lot of sense. But the strength, the strength that you mentioned you know, a lot of people hypothesize, I know David Ellis has thrown this out there, that what about a Sasquatch smacking a tree with its hand, you know, real flat, bam. I mean, the power, mechanically even making the sound where it's hitting its chest or mouth popping, slamming mm-hmm. its, its its lips. A lot of the Native American masks that have been made over you know, the last couple hundred years show whistling lips. You know, what kind of noise can they make with their lips and their mouth? We know primates can make an extraordinarily amount of really unique sounds, whether it's a mouth pop, tans have been known to whistle, it, of course being trained to do so, but they can do that. There's a lot of elements here when it comes to these really peculiar sounds that we associate with Sasquatch that I don't think people take enough time to really think about how they could be made. I don't think it's always a branch or a rock. I think a lot of times it could be mechanically, could be from the body, where it's, you know, a chest slap or a, a hand against a... a tree or a mouth pop. David Ellis can do a heck of a mouth pop that it's mind-blowing how loud it is and you, you wouldn't know that it was a human doing that. You would go, oh, what is that noise? But he can do it. And I, I would assume that Sasquatch might be able to do the same thing but the power, I don't think it's, whether it's a limb or a rock, Sasquatch can if you've ever experienced a really good power knock in your life, there's no forgetting it and there's no mistaking it and you know that it's not, especially if it's really close by you know what it isn't. You can't always say what it is, but you know what it isn't. <laughs> it's not, not many animals can do that, or, or any animal that I'm aware of, other than a Sasquatch here in, in North America. But the strength is phenomenal, I would imagine, with a Sasquatch. And why they do these noises, or you know, these noises that we associate with them, is anybody's guess, we can only hypothesize. I think a lot of the – they have to communicate, I would assume. I was watching a really interesting documentary on orangutans on Netflix about two weeks ago, and one of the interesting things beside the nest building, which I thought was fascinating, was the, the noises they make and kind of steering away a little bit uh, from the knocks and flanking and all that was a vocal that this orangutan would do. This male orangutan would vocalize in one direction, and it was very reminiscent of some of the recordings that I've heard. Like Chris Spencer has a fantastic recording, a former guest on our show and researcher, that's very similar to this orangutan yell or moan. And I've recorded a few things very similar, but the point I'm getting at is that this orangutan, would, male-dominant orangutan would yell out in this direction, and the point of him doing that was to say, hey, Tomorrow, that's the direction I'm going in, and it was to let all the females know and the males know in the area that, hey, I'm going in that direction. Females, come find me. Males, stay away. And I think since I've seen that, I thought, well, what are these knocks that we hear, you know, a form of communication that we associate with Sasquatch where it's, hey, I'm going in that direction tomorrow? You know, or these yells that they do is that the Sasquatch saying, hey, I'm going this direction tonight or tomorrow, and and, uh, males, watch out. Females, stick around uh, just another little thing that I thought about watching that, trying to compare known animal behavior to possibly Sasquatch behavior, and maybe there's no comparison there, but I think there might be, and it's something to chew on and think about, especially when you're out in the woods and you hear this stuff, what direction did that not come from? What direction did uh, you hear the, that rock clanking or that yell? There's got to be a reason, and you know maybe it's because you're in the area, or maybe it's because you just happen to be in the area of a Sasquatch, and that Sasquatch was doing a thing a lot of things to uh, think about there yeah and I know it could that. Be a
1: territory yeah. thing too it's like there you are you show up and they're not very happy about it and I know that uh with the rock throwing you know I've seen a lot of reports about the rock throwing and uh recently we had Mike Miller and Michael Feltner on our show from Ohio Night Stalkers and they had recorded that clip of a very large rock being thrown at them right after they did some rock clacking and david ellis was explaining that you know to them they hear rock clacking if you're out there rock clacking to them that may be a a sign of aggression because maybe they're using that for a sign of aggression or they're using it for like you said to throw it prey to stun them or to to knock them down and they're out there clocking the you know clacking these rocks together and I'm, i'm wondering what that means to them if if they can visually see you and know that you're not one of them. Because I'm, I'm imagining a lot of times they may see you and you don't even know they see you. So, you know, they have to be able to visualize where you're at to be able to throw something large enough by you to land a foot away and not hit you.
0: Yeah, or it could be that they just kind of generally know the area that you're in. You know, I had an experience with Cindy Cadell. We were out hiking in an area adjacent to the the nest site that we're working on, and we heard a very large moan. Something was paralleling us. We never saw it, a large moan, and I'm pretty, I'm 99% sure it was a bear. I'm pretty sure we were close to a bear. We heard the moan, and we looked at each other, and we decided to peel off a little bit different direction. The bear never saw us, but uh, that bear knew we were there, and we knew that it was there. I think Sasquatch sometimes can probably do the same thing, where it doesn't necessarily, especially if you're throwing a rock, you don't necessarily have to know exactly where that person's at to throw a rock and get close. But then again, we're anybody that's been out camping or is an avid hiker or hunter, you've been around bear, you've been around cougar, and you've never seen them. But they're there. Deer are the same. They're there. You just don't see them. They know you're there. You don't always know they're there. And so oh, that
1: they definitely when, know you're there before you would know they're there.
0: <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. I'm sure
1: their senses are are heightened a lot more than than we would be for being forest dwellers. It have
0: to be. That's how they survive, and that's hmm. obviously how Sasquatch would you know, it would have to have these capabilities to survive as well, no doubt about it, knows you're there way before you're there. And the rock thing, as far as rock clanking and tree knocks, that's something you were talking about, David Ellis, is his uh, his hypothesis idea that it, I, I don't think I'd be banging rocks if I were you. Well, I, I can't agree, hmm. first of all, we don't even know what the heck the rock clank. Clanking thing means I have no idea what it means. Or what does a tree knock mean? Why am I going to do that? You know, I've, you know. Don't get me wrong, I've done it. You know, i have kind of given up on the rock clanking thing. And occasionally, if I'm out in an area for three to four days or longer, and I have nothing going on, sure, I'll do a tree knock. I got nothing else to lose. I'll do a tree knock to see if I get a response. But most of the time, mm-hmm. I'm out in the woods. I, I I don't do the tree knocks. Don't do the rock clanking. I don't know what they mean. Uh, it could be uh, it could be bad. It could be good. I have no idea. <laughs> I have no idea. And so it's pretty – I think it's pretty obvious that just because you've seen a lot of TV shows do that stuff and you hear a lot of researchers swear by it, it's pretty obvious to me that it's not a known thing as far as – it's not something that we know to work for a fact or we know what we're doing or anyone knows what they're doing. To me, that's kind of silly, just like saying that Sasquatch does a lot of things that we can't. We don't know what they do. Well, this is hypothesizing. I said, you know, my encounter, I take a lot away from my initial encounter because I had all that stuff happen. But once again, I didn't see a Sasquatch throw a rock. I didn't see a Sasquatch beat a tree. I didn't see him break branches or, or she shear river. Right. But I did have that, that experience where all that was in one bowl, one basket, and I can assume that was all together, working together. The only thing I can assume is why. I had a rock come into camp. I know that. You could hear it coming through the trees. And then thud hit the, the mud right next to the tent as we were camping alongside a lake. A lot of people, oh, they're trying to play with you and see what you're up to. And I said, well, I don't, I don't know about that. You know, those those knocks tell me otherwise, you know, and something sounded like a bulldozer going back and forth on this little hill right above our camp tells me otherwise, it, that whatever it was came back second. I didn't sound happy. And I, all I know is I got some powerful knocks, had something watching me, had a rock come into camp, rock clanking. That was not, a, um, was not a fun experience. I'll be honest, it was not a fun experience. It was very, uh, my heart was in my head, but what I take away uh, from that is, imagine. oh, it, it, it was nuts. But, you know, I could take a lot from that experience, and I can formulate ideas. There's not At this point in time, there's not a whole lot you can do as far as testing those ideas or hypotheses. What you can do is record other uh, events like that and listen to other individuals who've had encounters, and then the more information you gather, the more data you gather, you compile that together, as many research groups are doing and we're doing. Something the limb project really big about, Squatch Metrics, huge, huge about doing that stuff, compiling the data, and then maybe you'll paint a picture. Maybe there's a picture to be painted there, and you'll figure out why this stuff's going on. Once again, a lot of times you're out in the woods, and we've talked about this, you're going to hear odd noises, and it's not always Sasquatch. In fact, it's probably right. not Sasquatch. You really got to know the fauna that the animals in your area know what they're capable of, I was talking about this earlier with a researcher earlier today, you know, where people come and go, well, I was the only person in that area. I'm, I'm the only one that was out there, and no one else goes out there. And we kind of chuckled to ourselves, and were thinking, well, you were out there, so how do you know nobody else goes out there? One of the things I find hilarious that's, that's happened over the years, um, I can't say to me, what I've seen in some of the bigger hotspot areas around the United States and some of the lesser-known spots and just went up is the fact that you get certain groups that come into an area, and I'm talking research groups or researchers as individuals. They go into an area, it's a well known hot spot, they start getting knocks. They don't know that the other groups on this side of the lake or this side of the area or canyon or forest, and they're basically knocking back and forth to each other. And mm-hmm. I've, I've personally never experienced this, but I know people that this has happened to because some of the areas that I research in with individuals, they told me, yeah. There was another group out here, and they were knocking, and we were knocking, and eventually they figured it out. But how many times has that happened where individuals have not figured it out, and they think, man, I got a response. I knocked a tree, and then over there, there was another knock, and then it heard this rock clanking. And So in this day and age where everybody can claim to be a researcher and, and these, some of these known hotspots – Spots where a lot of individuals head to, whether you're a solo individual or you're a part of a big organization, that stuff happens, and it happens a lot. And just because you have audio of something hitting a tree, it could be a human. A humans Try chopping wood at your campsite. Yeah, a lot of times it will sound like a wood knock, and if you're out camping and you hear that you, and don't see right. it, you might assume that that's a tree knock or something. and In fact, it's just somebody chopping some firewood. I've actually witnessed that before.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, another thing I wanted to mention is, depending on what season it is, if you're out in the winter time, and if you think, you know, some people may notice they hear more sounds in the winter that they might relate to wood knocking. There is a thing called frost crack, and what that is is uh, when temperatures go, you know, way below zero, the sap will freeze, and then when it starts to that when it freezes, it makes those um, cracking sounds in the bark. And then when it's thawing out, when the temperature comes up a little bit more, it starts making those sounds again because it's the popping of the bark, you know, expanding and uh, compounding. And that can make a lot of sounds in the cold weather. So that's always something to consider is that's just all very natural what trees go through. And consider your temperature out there. Consider that could be one of the sounds that you're hearing.
0: Great point. I know of a, an individual that was out researching with some friends of mine, and they were hearing what they thought was tree knocks and tree other tree noises that they were associating with Sasquatch, and it ended up being a tree just creaking Back and forth, oddly, and it was just making this weird noise. I mean, I heard it, but it was explainable. Once again, trees make all sorts of noises. Yeah, you know, if it's a hollow tree, a, a heavy-sided tree, got a little bit of wind, you know, the, trees make a, a ungodly amount of noises. So I, I mean, that's just the point. There was so much out there that can it can be explained. You know, I'm not trying to poop on anybody's parade, but it's just right. It's just a We're fact.
1: definitely not trying to do that. We're just having a discussion about vetting and about. Occam's razor. We just did a show about that a while back. It's always try to rule everything out before you can rule anything in at all.
0: Yeah, a lot of the, the more compelling audio that I've recorded personally when it comes to this sort of stuff is happening really late, like you know, midnight it's happened at one, two, and sometimes three in the morning, and occasionally at five in the morning where I'm pretty remote or in an area where there's just not been any human activity in a long time. And there's no mistake in that knocking sound or that rock-on-rock rock sound. Early morning hours, when I hear stuff, that's really what piques my interest. And I, you know, sometimes, like usually, you know, I've recorded stuff and not heard everything at the time. And I go back and listen to it, and then I'll throw up on Sonic Visualizer and say, okay, well, I missed that. I don't know how I missed it. I didn't hear it. Uh, and then I'll pass on to David Ellis, and he'll give me his thoughts. But it's amazing to me what I've discovered over the years is, you know you you think you're awake and you're in that twilight sleep and you hear the noise it's amazing how much the human ear misses or how much you miss it, it i've done this over the years where i've gone back and go how come i did not hear that that was a solid strike how come i did not hear that and i, I consider myself to be a fairly light sleeper but i've got stuff on record that I'm, i i blows my mind that i missed it huge stomping noises and crashes and it's just amazing to me but that's Why we go back and listen to the audio over and over again and look at it visually? Because you miss so much, and there's so much that happens at night that we just miss in general, (laughs) and it's it's fascinating to me. But something to to take into thought, you know, reviewing your audio and actually recording stuff, you know, and and that's why I'm always recording because I hate coming back and going, yeah, I heard this and that, and are like, oh, well, did you record it? Oh no, you know, I didn't. All of a sudden, it's just a story. But you could have it recorded. And then that recording can be vetted by not just yourself, but other individuals. Well, then you have more than a story. You have some sort of evidence that something happened, regardless of what it was. And that's why audio, I think, plays a huge role, because we're not nocturnal animals. And I do a lot of my recording at night. We're not nocturnal animals, you know. And so we're not accustomed to being in the woods and hearing sounds. And But audio, if you can record it and hear it and look at it visually, it really can paint a picture, especially in some of these research areas that we research. It's just a, a, a point there. So a lot of the audio that I recorded in the early morning hours, is not just been a knock. There's been times when where there's been a knock, and I've, I've been awake, and it's recording. I'm recording this from multiple directions, and then there's another knock. Now, I've had this happen before where we've had stuff thrown into our camp that I didn't hear at the time, but it's been on the recorder. I've heard grunts, very ape-like grunts in association with some of these knocks, chest slaps or possible chest slaps. That's the sound it makes that I've recorded, uh, sticks breaking, a lot of times there's not just a knock. You know, that's good, in, I suppose, in a lot of circumstances, but if I can record a knock or rock clanking and then get uh, a multitude of stuff alongside that recording or that sound, it really starts to, then it adds a little more of um, an element to it than just a solo knock. And that's something that I've you know, really tried to do over the years. When I put audio out, I, I put multiple recorders out I would like to capture the noise from multiple areas, and um, the more audio, more audio you can record that night, the better. And I, I mean, something I've just learned over the years from from Larry Turner and David Ellis is, you know, not, don't just set out one recorder. You know, a lot of people can't re- afford more than one recorder. I'm fortunate. I've, I've over the years got a, I got a ton of recorders, different styles and whatnot. But I'd like to put the recorder out all over the place, recorders out everywhere, because then I can sometimes pinpoint exactly where that sound was coming from, and then I can investigate it further to see if I can figure out what made that noise or what direction something may have been coming from. And that's something I think is important. If you can afford more than one recorder, two to three, do that in an area and then kind of pinpoint where that sound came from. And then if you're an avid camper or hiker or squatcher, and you go back to this area constantly and you get the same thing, if you can pinpoint that area, you may, be, may paint a picture. You may get some more clues. Maybe you'll find some tracks from that area. Maybe you'll find a tree with a scar mark on it. It looks like something hit it. You know, Julie, I know that you've been doing a lot of, lot of recording on your property. I know you're going to keep it up. I'm doing a lot of recording out here, but I know that we're both pretty sound-minded that uh, we always try to explain it away. You know, we don't look at Sasquatch first, uh, and we try to explain away what it could be before we even come to, to the possibility that it could be something else like a Sasquatch.
1: Right, and I I currently have 13 more hours of audio
0: to go through to go through that I've I well on oh a couple my. different orders. Wow, uh, well that's a good amount of audio. I uh, I got uh, a ton to go through. Uh, a lot of times at night, uh, one of the ways I like to fall asleep is by listening to my audio. Unfortunately, you know sometimes you'll get something loud happen and it wakes you. You're in that semi sleep and it wakes you up and then you're kind of glued for the next two hours. So I try <laughs> to not do that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, yeah, there are certain sounds that will keep you awake But hey, let's play some of this I'm going to play uh, just a bunch of different sound recordings Some are going to come across great, some not so much uh, But I'm going to play just a bunch of different recordings That have been recorded over the years By the Lent Project and other researchers Including myself, the Till mcForest group And other individuals But there's going to be a lot of audio I'm just going to play it And then we can discuss a little bit afterwards Alright, great And I will mention, uh, I forgot to mention this before, but I will mention that a lot of this audio is looped. So it may just be one initial knock, but it's been looped so you can hear it multiple times. the majority of this audio is looped five times. Some of it I'll play five times, some I'll just let run, and others I'll cut short. And there you have it. That's just some of the audio that has been recorded by individuals such as the Land Project, myself, the Tillamook Forest Group. That's just some of the audio out there that we, we've recorded, some of the more interesting stuff we've recorded a lot of times in person, a lot of times while we're out camping. That last one you heard, we've labeled Twig Snap Chest Beat. The last mm. one I was remote backpacking and camping in the Olympics uh, with one other individual, and I never heard this. And this wasn't too far away from our camp, but it happened around 2 in the morning. It was recorded. A stick break, a bit of a knock, and then this almost chest-beating slap. And the cool thing about that is, once again, looking at it visually on Sonic Visualizer and comparing that to known sounds and whatnot, when you look at that particular chest slap sound, it's very reminiscent. It's very similar to a gorilla chest slap. I mean, the signature is its uncanny how close in signature that it is. Once again, I did not hear that in person. It was an area, I was camping in an area of interest, given that there was a possible recent sighting in that area and some other activity. I wanted to camp in this area, and I got that recording, and that was it for the weekend, but it was very interesting when you look at it visually. A lot of these recordings had a, sometimes you had a vocal in there. A lot of them were, most of them were looped. Sometimes you get a a knock and then a possible return knock in some of these recordings. There's a lot, you know, I, I, I threw a lot of recordings out there. We don't really have time to go through each recording and explain it, but these are some of the more because of the sounds that we've found to be very interesting in association with possible Sasquatch behavior, given the area, what transpired the day before or that week, or periodically given that season. These are this audio pieces that have been vetted and that are, are just of interest. You know, they don't prove Sasquatch exists. But a lot of them are very solid strikes. You got some rock clanking in there. You got the knocks. You got sometimes vocals. Sometimes you got even a whistle involved. A lot of cool stuff there. These are some of the sounds that in our library that we've compiled, and just a small snippet. There's a lot more than that. I just kind of threw these in here. If you can't hear them, I'll bump up your volume. Go back and listen to the show again, and listen to this part of the show, and just listen to them. And I think you might find them pretty interesting. You know, I didn't throw these up there because I thought they were anything other than maybe suspicious, uh, some more so than others. So uh, something of interest for you guys. I hope you enjoyed that. Julie, what are your your thoughts on some of the noises that you heard? Did any sound familiar, any stick out to you? Is that what you've heard people report over the years?
1: Mm -hmm, Yeah, the the single strike sound is something I've heard out here before on a couple occasions
0: with my own Mm -hmm. ear, and it
1: always seems to come from that direction where the pond is, one of them that really stood out was the sound like a chest beat, kind of about three quarters of the way through all of that. It sounded like a chest beat, like a gorilla yeah. chest. That was, just, that one's pretty interesting, I must say.
0: David Ellis has a collection of uh, what we call gorilla chest beat. We just label them that because that's what they, they look like visually, on visually and oh. they kind of sound like we didn't see a Sasquatch beat his chest, but that's what they look like visually. Something beat his chest, or comparing it to like a gorilla. I think he's got five or six, and I think he's recorded three himself. I've only got recorded the one that was weird, and I've looked at every sort of explanation I can come up with. But yeah, there's all you know those solid strikes. Those are some of the most uh, interesting ones to me. Is that really solid woody sound where it's almost like you know wood on wood, very powerful. Sometimes some sometimes really close up. Those are the ones that I always find really interesting and, and make, you know, depending where you're at, can make the hair stand on your arm. And if you're hearing anything okay. similar to that on your property, I hope you can figure out what's doing it or at least uh, get some more audio recordings of that because that's, that's, that's amazing stuff to me. It's really interesting stuff to me.
1: Yeah, me too. I have a lot of uh, recording to do and a lot to go through, so I'm looking forward to that.
0: Well, guys, we're about out of time for this episode of Monster X Radio. We hope you enjoyed it. You know, a couple of notes here things to take home is that uh, though I've recorded a ton of suspicious percussive sounds over the years, I've never actually seen a Sasquatch hit a tree or mm-hmm. i actually never seen a Sasquatch do anything other than I've I seen one standing behind a tree rocking back and forth watching me, having had all this other stuff happen at the time, the rock coming in the camp, the, something smacking a tree. Um, I do associate that with Sasquatch, but I also know that if you're in the woods or in some of these areas that your ears can play tricks with you, your mind can play tricks with you, chances are you're probably not having a Sasquatch encounter if you're hearing this stuff unless it's really off the charts. Look, Always look for a different answer before you reach out to Sasquatch, and, and not everybody, you know, a lot of people claim stuff. Unfortunately, a lot of it can be explained. But having said that, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can't be explained, and that's why we record and we do what we do. I know that you know, I will keep plugging on, as Julie will. I know Julie's going to continue doing her audio work and rationalizing some of the audio that she gets recorded, as, as do we. And so the truth's out there. The audio is just a small portion to it, but it's once again got to be vetted. It's got to be looked at logically without jumping to conclusions. And the more audio you can record, the more audio that you listen to, you, you start to understand how things can fool you and how nature works. It took me a long time to get there. You know, There was a point in time where I didn't know my sounds properly. I didn't know what animals were in the area. Now I, I sure as heck do because I don't want to be fooled. When something legit happens, I want to make sure that I'm prepared to capitalize on that moment and recognize the fact that this is something special, uh, something unique, uh, Julie Wrench, uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I really appreciate you talking oh. about it, your uh, your knowledge and your experience and just your uh, general thought process on this subject.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right, guys. Well, you know, I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please check out Monster X Exclusive. Check out our exclusive website. Like I said, I think you're really going to enjoy it. We got, we're putting a lot of cool stuff in there. There's a private Facebook group that we put together to share stuff uh, that you won't necessarily find on the website. Our website's building. We're building content in there. We're putting together some fantastic uh, guests, some fantastic episodes. So check it out. Give it a whirl. You've got nothing to lose and everything to gain. And we thank you again for listening to Monster X Radio. You guys have a very squatchy week. We'll see you next Sunday and hopefully sooner than that. Take care.